Hour number two in the books on hour number three of the morning drive. Corey Curtis with Derek Mason sitting in for Nick and Braden this morning, and we are talking Tennessee Titans football. I believe they are a three-point favorite to beat the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and as I said uh, earlier, that uh, they are 0-2 as a favorite uh, this season. But a three-point spread basically means even because you get three points pretty yeah. much for, for being at home. Um, you know, We talked about this game a little bit earlier uh, Mace, and you, you said you like the Titans because you, th- you think as a non-divisional foe, mm-hmm. it leads them to an advantage. All right, uh, Eric Bacharach from the Tennessean is joining us now. Uh, Eric, th- this game worries me. Um, this uh, Bill's defense is legit. How, how worried should I be? Uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I spent uh, a lot of time the other night watching the Patriots uh, play the Bills, and you know, quite frankly, the Bills' defense made Tom Brady look bad uh, last week, which is not an easy thing to do. Eighteen of thirty-nine. Uh, it was it was quite remarkable just the way that they were able to uh, make him look mortal. Um, and then, you, honestly, you look at that game. Uh, the Patriots get a, a blocked punt for a touchdown. They intercept Josh Allen three times, and it was a six-point game at the end of it. So. Uh, you know, if, if a lot of things don't break the Patriots' way in that one, the Bills could have easily won that one. Uh, you know, so that defense really does scare me. Uh, it's allowing just 280 yards per game, which is second best in the NFL. I think it's going to be a real test, uh, you know, a really, really strong test for the Titans. Uh, might be, uh, you know, the best defense they face all year. So uh, I think the worry uh, is justified, uh, and I think it'll be um, – you know, a really gritty game between two good defenses. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty darn physical. When you look back to last week, uh, conceptually, I mean, outside of execution, but conceptually, how did the Titans change their pass protection? What what were they able to do in this game that they hadn't been able to do, and can they do that moving forward? Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of it, uh, obviously a lot of it starts with this, just Marcus. Um, you know, we saw him throw it away four times, which... Um, you know, is something that he hadn't been doing the first few games, um, just as far as you know, trying to get it away, uh, avoiding sacks, uh, and that played a big part in um, you know just the fact that he wasn't sacked. Uh, the Titans themselves, as far as the offensive line, I think they just did a better job of um, you know protecting the pocket. And again, Marcus did a really good job of of stepping up. I, I really do think a lot of um, you know the the uh, successes that the Titans had. Uh, yes, the, the Titans did a better job of protecting, but Marcus just navigated the pocket, pocket really well, uh, stepped up when he had to, uh, threw it away when he had to. I think Nate Davis, um, you know, played pretty well for his debut as a rookie. I, I think, um, you know, there's, there's only uh, improvement uh, going forward as far as what to expect from him. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously as, as a whole, uh, it, it was hard not to improve from, from the way that they played in Jacksonville. And I think collectively as a unit they did, you know, I think when you look ahead to this week, you get Taylor Luan back, um, which uh, Dennis Kelly was, was a, a fine replacement for him, but uh, there's really no uh, replacing a three-time pro bowler on the left side of your offensive line. And then again, uh, when you consider Nate Davis is just trending in the right direction, I think all of that bodes well um, you know, for the Titans going forward. Now, Eric, do you think it changed drastically now that they've um, now that Taylor's back? Because some of these problems that showed up, like in the first or second week with the Titans, were problems they were having um, last year with Taylor um, at the left tackle position, meaning giving up the sacks. They gave up seventeen sacks in the first three games, I believe. Um, so, do you think even with him 
being back, it's going to change a lot in, in regards to how the offensive line um, plays. You know, I, I think there is some merit to what Delaney Walker was saying a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, just that, uh, you know, after that Jacksonville game, you know, he kind of just spoke to the point that the way the offense was playing at that point, it wasn't just a one-person fix. It was kind of, at that point, a top-to-bottom mess. You know, one player uh, really anywhere on that offense wasn't going to change things drastically. But, um, you know, this is Taylor Lewan we're talking about. He's, uh, you know, the, the highest-paid offensive lineman in, in NFL history for a reason. I think you can't overstate how big his loss was through these first four games, and I can't uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, throwing him back into the mix there is going to change things drastically just as far as, um, you know, the, the attitude of that offensive line, obviously the protection Marcus Mariota gets on his blind side over there. You know, I think uh, this week of practice is going to be important for, for both Lawan and Roger Saffold as far as just getting back on the same page because if you remember, you know, the Titans in the preseason, they really rolled out Dennis Kelly as, um, the number one left tackle uh, for the majority of the time, just so that Kelly and Saffold could sort of get on the same page uh, for the first four weeks. But now the script changes, um, and Lawan and Saffold will have to get on the same page. I think I think it really does change things drastically. Just to have Lawan in that locker room, um, you know, I think is is a big deal for the Titans. Um, he's he's uh, we we obviously know him as is one of the bigger uh, probably the. Uh, the undisputed the biggest personality in that locker room and, and adding him back into the mix is, his leadership I think is big I think it's um, you know a reason to, to sort of be uh, confident if you're the Titans going forward just that now we've got this guy back and, and um, you know uh, our, our offensive line struggles are not uh, behind us uh, but we've got reason for optimism going forward. He obviously brings some juice to yeah. the team there's no question about that and I think he could bring some juice to the offense from this perspective I think it's going to free up Arthur Smith to call for more plays down the field. I mean, we've, we've seen what Corey Davis and A.J. Brown can do one-on-one with defensive backs. It's a physical mismatch that can create those yak yards. And and I think that they will take now a few more chances to set him up five, seven yards deep, plant his foot, and throw the football 10, 20, and 30 yards. Yeah, I think certainly it, it uh, sort of all adds to Marcus having, you know, uh, a couple more nanoseconds of time, and, and with that comes more shots downfield. And I also think, you know, just going along with that, it, it opens up a lot more sort of facets of this offense, Adam Humphreys included. Um, you know, he was a guy that, that had to sort of uh, do a little bit of blocking uh, himself uh, the first four weeks of the season, just sort of chipping on the left side uh, before he's able to sort of get out and get open, uh, you know, hopefully going forward for if you're the Titans. Uh, that's less of a thing now, and, and uh, Humphreys becomes more of a viable option right from the start uh, as far as, you know, after the snap, uh, just with the, when you have Lawan back there. And, and certainly I think, uh, you know, more big plays are in store. And, and um, you know, as I'm sure you guys have talked about, Mark Mariota to this point has, has um, completed uh, five passes for over 40 yards, which already matches his, his total from last year. So I think, um, you know, when, when you've got A.J. Brown and Corey Davis um, playing as they were last week, I think uh, this offense, you know, if, if everything is clicking, I, I think it has a chance to be good. It's just a matter of, um, you know, I think getting consistent play from that offensive line. I think it all starts there. Um, you know, they didn't get that the first few weeks, but I think if they can, uh, if, if Lawan, um, you know, with Lawan coming back and if Nate Davis could give them something going forward, I think they could be in good shape.
Now, we we understand and, and we saw what that defense, meaning the Buffalo Bills, was able to do um, against New England, New England Patriots and, and holding Tom Brady um, to basically a dismal day passing the football. But I look at it from the standpoint of, you know, it's a division game for them, so they're going to play it a little bit different. Um, you know, they know how to go against Tom Brady, and they know what his strengths are. Um, so they they were able to negate a lot of that. I think playing against the Tennessee Titans is something different. I think I believe the Titans have better skill guys that are bigger and Delaney Walker, Corey Davis, and, and A.J. Brown. I think could there possibly, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there, could there possibly be uh, a scenario where the Titans do, does have success against a very good build team based upon their personnel? Because it's totally different from what New England does. Yeah, you know, I, I think the Titans' size is something that, um, you know, we, we all saw sort of A.J. Brown turn on the Jets on that 55-yard run, reached over 20 miles an hour. But the size that the Titans have with Corey, with Delaney, with A.J., as you mentioned, I think that's a real advantage. I think that could give teams some problems. And, again, when this offense is sort of humming the right way, and not to mention Derrick Henry, um, you know, I think they're a team that could match up physically with, with really the best of them. Um, it, it's really just a matter of, uh, you know, so far for the Titans, this Titans offense, as Marcus Mario just said, after last week's game, the key has sort of just been sticking to this blueprint of, um, you know, the pass game working efficiently, the offensive line holding up, um, and uh, getting ahead, which which is key, so that, you know, you could sort of use Derrick Henry later in games as the closer. I, you know, I think that's been the recipe for success. We'll see going forward if they're able to win uh, in other ways than just that. But, but you know, I, I think absolutely um, the size could be a big thing. I, I think either way you slice it, I think this defense is just really a force to be reckoned with. Uh, you know, they're allowing less than 16 points a game per season. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think um, no matter what way you look at it, this Bills defense uh, could be the biggest defensive test the Titans face all year. It's, it's really the real deal. Because um, I, I do think there's room for, for taking advantage of certain aspects of their offense. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, come Sunday, it's going to be uh, a really tough one for, for the Titans offense. Uh, well, former Brentwood Academy star uh, Dawson Knox has become a player for the Bills. <laughs> and if you haven't seen his highlights, he is a punishing tight end. And I bring him up because uh, Austin Hooper had a really big day against the Titans last week. And, and something has to do with kind of going over and under uh, on those threats on the outside and, and leaving the seams open a little bit more. But, uh, but Eric, is there reason for concern covering the tight end going forward? I, I kind of look at that as an anomaly. I like Kevin Byard, obviously. I like Jayon Brown, so I'm not overly concerned. But should we be concerned about Dawson Knox this weekend? Uh, I mean, I, I think he's someone to watch just because he's a local kid, and, and you, you look at what you what uh, Austin Hooper did last week. You know, I think it was it was a, just as you kind of alluded to a situation where something had to give. Um, and, you know, it, it hurt the Titans in spots last week, but really um, you, you couldn't have asked for much more as far as what they were able to, to do when, when it comes to limiting, um, you know, that offense, when it comes to Matt Ryan not throwing a touchdown pass. Um, you know, Julio Jones, I believe, had four catches for 50 yards. Uh, you know, so, so something had to give with, with that uh, really potent offense and, and just that uh, potent uh, group of, of pass catchers that they have over there. So, uh, you know, for me, I think it would be nice to see going forward just uh, Amani Hooker develop into what he was in college, which was sort of this tight end specialist 
um, as far as um, you know taking that out and, and um, you know you've, you've got KB, you've got Vicaro out there. Uh, I, I think it's something to keep an eye on. Um, I wouldn't be overly concerned about um, Boston Knox. I, I do think it's kind of a cool story for him to be coming back to Nashville. Uh, and we'll see what he's able to do Sunday. All right, Eric, thanks for your time. Have fun out there at practice today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, that's yep. Eric Backrack from the uh, Tennessean, talking Tennessee Titans and Buffalo Bills this weekend. We're talking more Titans and Bills and some Preds on the other side of this break. This is Corey Curtis uh, sitting in with Derek Mason on ESPN's 102.5 The Game. This is The Morning Drive. 8.20 on this Wednesday morning in Nashville, Tennessee. Corey Curtis sitting in with the, the Derek Mason. One of two Derek Masons in Nashville, but he's our Derek Mason. Yeah. And I love him. Gosh, I make, I make a big mess, man. So I'm in there. He's know. talking about the bathroom. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm in the kitchen, <laughs> and I'm putting together my concoction, my shake. And I'm cleaning the, the blade thing off, and I spray myself with a bunch of water. Like, how do you do that? I don't know. You're a grown man. Yeah, I know. I'm acting like a kid, like a five-year-old kid spraying myself All right, with well, a bunch of water. We've got the Tennessee Titans hosting the Buffalo Bills this weekend. They are a three-point favorite. Tennessee is a 25-point dog at home against Georgia. Vanderbilt is a seven-point dog going to Ole Miss this weekend. And the Nashville Predators open their season. I don't know what the number is, but I'm sure they're a big favorite uh, to beat the Minnesota Wild tomorrow night so we've got a lot happening um by the way i want to uh drop this out there she'll probably hate me for it Mm -hmm. um i was in chattanooga over the weekend i did go to the titans game but i spent the rest of the weekend in chattanooga Uh, my wife completed her first iron man and it was 95 degrees wow they we know who the athlete in the family is. Oh, yeah. I was, my, my daughter is six, and I was really hoping she would have my uh-huh. wife's athleticism. Uh-huh. And I think she got stuck with mine, but I'm hoping that there's she some time to evolve. She can grow out of it. it. It was pretty incredible to see. I mean, I think they had 2,200 people start the race, but only like 1,400 finished. That That is, the Iron Man is tough. I mean, yeah, you know, running, cycling, and swimming. Yep. I mean, good Lord. That is just, that, that, you do truly push the limits of your body. Oh, my God. And when it's 95 degrees? Yes. I mean, she had swam 2.4 miles. Uh-huh. She had biked 116 Gosh. miles, and it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was 95 degrees. Oh, my goodness. And she had to go run a marathon. Well, is she asleep now? Uh, she slept a lot yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> she did. She's pretty sore. Like I said, it was, we did the half Ironman together in uh-huh. May. Uh-huh. And that was our first one of those. And then she immediately signed up for the full. God. They have what they call the lookout challenge uh-huh. in Chattanooga. If you do both, you get this third medal. And she did that. Is she just like a like a junkie now? Like just that adrenaline just oh, gets yeah. her she, going? She, well, like yeah. she has to? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's, it's that, but she likes the, the challenge. Yeah. You know, the challenge. I mean, like the, people always ask me, well, how do you do it? Uh-huh. And I say, you make the decision. Yeah. I, mean, I guess it's those endorphins in you that when you get there, it's just like it start going and you, well, you're looking for that next big challenge. When you're out there, it doesn't matter if you're a pro uh-huh. or if you're a simple age grouper. Everybody gets hit with the question at some point of why the hell am I out here? Yeah. And, and you have to have the answer to keep pushing forward yeah, I'm sure because, because they're all in pain. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I got, I, I, to tell you what my Sunday was like, uh-huh. okay, so we're in Chattanooga. I get up at 4.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. and we're out the door at 5, uh-huh. and, and we get to the race, and she gets everything all set to go because you've, you've got to get your nutrition and everything laid out. Mm-hmm. Nutrition is hugely important. I'm sure. Race. 
And so you got to get everything laid out, and then you get on a bus to mm-hmm. go to the swim start because it's 2.4 miles up the river. Uh-huh. And so I go with her there, and I walk with her to kind of the gateway to the to the river. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, they're walking in line to where they're all starting. And so she, she then starts the swim, and that was 7.45 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I walk down the two and a half miles back to the, to the front of the park. I see her get out of the water and get on her bike and, mm-hmm. and race off on her bike, and I say bye. I got in my car. I drove to Atlanta. Uh-huh. I covered the Titans game. I did my post game, and then I fo- did my stories for the 5 o'clock news and Sports Extra. Mm-hmm. I got back in the car. Drove she back to Ch- Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I drove back to Chattanooga. Yes. I got back there about 8.45. Mm-hmm. I found her on the course at mile 21 uh-huh. and then went to the finish. She finished at 10.45 at night. It took her 15 hours. Good Lord. Kudos to her. It takes you, you get 16 and a half hours to finish. Uh-huh. And uh, she, gets, she did it in 15. And I think she finished 37th out of 80 in her age group. Wow, so, that's so that was great. So, very proud of her. I know not everybody cares about man, my kudos, personal life. No, man. But, kudos uh, to her. No, we care about personal lives here. Yeah, man, we, that was, you know, that's half of our show is that, personal life. That was that was a really, I mean, it's it's impressive. I mean, and I'm not saying for her, but the people that she's out, it's just still really, sleep. It's Today, really I impressive. Still be sleep. It's really impressive. Well, she needs to hit the hot, I mean, the cold tub yeah. and she everything needs, else. She needs the compression sleeves. Yeah. She needs the cold tub. She needs, I, tell, I just keep telling her, more protein. Just get more protein. You got to build your muscles back yeah. up. Well, um, well, the next one she runs, I got a pair of socks for her. Yeah. Give her. No, seriously, a pair of socks that'll help her. She'll be great. Yeah, so. her feet hurt. Yeah, she can't put her, a blanket on right now. I get her a pair of socks to help with the circulation there. Wonderful uh, socks. All right, we've been talking a lot uh, about the Tennessee Titans, and you feel, you still feeling good? You yeah, still feeling, I, yeah. Okay, like, I mean, the Bills... I, 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 I'm trying to remember. I think they're giving up about 17 points a game uh, this year. No, it's 15 8 because the Titans are right above them. They're giving up 15 okay. 9. The Titans are giving up 15 8. Okay. So you feel like the Titans are going to top that number? Yeah, because I, I look at this game and I, I don't necessarily listen. They're a good defense. I understand that. But I, I'm looking at this game from a different uh, vantage uh, point here. I'm not looking at the team that shut down New England because they play New England twice a year. They know Tom Brady. That offense hadn't changed. Um, they don't have the weapons that they used to have. You know, take away Gronk, that's taking away a lot. So they didn't have to defend that tight end position the way they probably normally defended it, mm-hmm. meaning the Buffalo Bills. So I think they were able, because they're a division team, because no Gronk, they were able to play them different. Um, and if you hit Tom Brady – he does. It does throw him off a little bit. Oh yeah, he's just like yeah, any other exactly, quarterback. Absolutely, he becomes mortal, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I just think with the Titans, with their with their personnel on offense, um, they got a tight end that's that that's physical that can run. Two of them that's physical that can run. They have receivers that are big that can that that has some speed that have you know they can get yards after the catch. They got a big physical bruising running back. I think this is a matchup where they can use those things to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's no longer you know they're not Buffalo's not playing New England. I don't think New England is as physical from the at the on the offensive side. Yeah, of the ball. on the offensive side of the ball at the skill position mm-hmm. area as the Tennessee Titans are. Again, I'm not saying that they're going to just totally. You know, but you like their ability to score yeah, more like than their, fifteen points. Absolutely, against this defense, I think they will take advantage of some opportunities they have, and that's the big thing. 
teams like that, and we talked about this yesterday, when they played Denver, I think two or three years ago, after Denver had won the Super Bowl, it might have been four years ago, that Denver defense was one of the best defenses in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. What the Titans were able to do here, they beat them, but what they were able to do, they had one play in particular, a big play that they made, and it changed the scope of the game. Yeah, they played with the lead, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that play to Matthews on the visitor sideline, it was a deep play, I think it was third down, to Matthews, it changed the 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 the, the outmake out, outlook of the game. The Titans got to have that. Mm-hmm. If there is a play to be made, they got to make it because well, they're not going to get many. Well, and you look at last week; yeah. they made plays. Absolutely. I mean, that, and that's that's what this league is about. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, the Titans, outside of Chris Johnson, didn't have any playmakers. Exactly. And so you know they've got Delaney, or they've got a bunch of them now. And, they, and like you're saying, when those opportunities are there, they've got to strike. I also think the defense has got to give them some opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Buffalo's Bills team has turned it over 10 times this year. Mm-hmm. I think it's most in the NFL. And so they've got to stay on that. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't able, as good as the defense has been, they weren't able to create a turnover in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And that was big. Exactly. I mean, you're playing a rookie quarterback making his second start, you need to create turnovers. And when you're playing a defense as good as the Jags and a defense as good as the Buffalo Bills, and I think Coach Rabel talked about this on Monday, they're going to mm-hmm. need some short fields. Yeah. And so they need to create turnovers. This is a team that's turned it over. You've got to, you've got to make them be themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a team that will turn the football over. So the Tennessee Titans are going to definitely have to take advantage of that. And the, another key that I like that we saw in the Falcons game is you don't have to score every time. Mm-hmm. But if you can avoid three and outs, mm-hmm. you can establish field position. So even when the Titans punted, mm-hmm. they were pinning them inside the 10-yard line every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, even for Matt... Um, Ryan uh-huh. and Julio Jones and all those guys, it's hard to go 90 yards without screwing up. Yeah, We saw it over and over again. That's what I always say with the Titans. When, when Mariota and company have got to go 90, it's, it's a tough go. Mm-hmm. It's a t- and it's a tough go for virtually every team in the league except, except for the Kansas City Chiefs. So if the Titans can avoid three and outs, create some turnovers, I, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape in this game. Yeah, they should be. Um, you know, and, and but it's all. It all depends on, like you said, stand on the field, third down, and they've gotten better at converting third. Yeah, downs. they have. After the first, they weeks, were yeah. last in the league at one point. Yeah, I think they were like got two for exactly thirty or something ridiculous like that. All right, on the other side, it's time to talk Preds opening night with Adam Vingen um, with the Athletic these days, uh, talking about the Preds and opening night. Uh, I've got questions, and I think he's probably the guy. Uh, to answer him. Corey Curtis with Derek Mason. This is the Morning Drive on ESPN 102.5 The Game. 8.34 Wednesday morning, the eve of opening night for the Nashville Predators, a game you'll hear right here on 102.5 The Game. This is Corey Curtis with Derek Mason, and we are ready to talk Preds with the one and only Adam Vingen from The Athletic. Adam, how the heck are you? I'm good. How are you guys this morning? We are adequate. Thank you for asking. Adam. <laughs> Excellent. We all know the three stories that we've talked about, it feels like, since time began with this team. Kyle Turris, uh, Matt Duchesne, and power play. So I'm going to ask you, what's the story that we aren't talking about that we should be talking about? Ooh, that, that is a good question. Um I think the question that we really should be talking about, and maybe this is getting a little inside baseball for pre-opening night hockey, but 
I'm, I look at the bottom six of this roster, and the Predators' aim this offseason was to improve their offense. And we saw it, obviously, with the decision to trade P.K. Subban and sign Matt Duchesne. You know, the potential split of the famed Joe line, as people like to call it, in order to achieve better scoring balance. But I, I look at the lines in practice yesterday, and if there is any indication of you know, what could be starting tomorrow, I'm not sure where the extra offense is coming from. They moved Kyle Turris back to center, which he experimented on winning during training camp, uh, with uh, Callie Yarncroke and Rocco Grimaldi and the uh, typical Colton Sissons, Nick Bonino, Austin Watson line were back together as well. Um, so you hope that you get a rebound from Kyle Turris, as we've talked about all summer, but can you really expect him to do that with two line mates that are not as skilled as he is typically used to having. Um, the Sissons Benino Watson line isn't, you know, one that is built to uh, produce offense. Uh, they're more for a shutdown uh, position, uh, even though they're not haven't really been good at that lately either. So, you know, I think there are a lot of high hopes for this team, and I and, and I believe the team thinks that its offense is going to be better. But outside of the usual suspects, I'm not sure where it's coming from. So, if you've got Turris back at center. Then who's playing the third, uh, the second wing, the third member uh, on the first line? That would be Craig Smith, at least according to practice yesterday, and, and I like that idea um, by putting Arvidsson and Smith on the same line, which hasn't been done too much. Um, they are two of the most proficient shooters in the NHL. When you just look at the volume in which they're able to get pucks on net, so having Matt with Ryan Johansson to facilitate. Plus, you move Forsberg down with Granlund and Duchesne, which I have, I believe, has the makings of a line with great potential. I do think the top six, you know, maybe the most dangerous it's been for this team in a very long time. But then, as I was mentioning before, after that, I'm not sure where the reliable offense is going to come from. So you don't, you, you were a one-line team last year. Now you're a two-line team, which is better than one. But you want to be a four-line. Team. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, so I'm curious to see how that goes. So, so that's the Yosa line now. <laughs> that's what we're going to call the, it. The Yosa. Uh, now, and, and I'll let you get in here in a second. Uh, no, no, I, I wanted to ask you about that second line, though, uh, because I, I I know there was, and I believe it was Matt Duchesne. I'm not sure. Somebody was talking up Mikhail Granlund, and, and they thought that it he was Duchesne, and, yeah. and he's going to have a. Is there is there reason to think that Granlund is going to be the player that they thought they were kind of trading for last year? Well, that's the hope, of course, and for him, he has extra extra incentive, excuse me, because it's a contract year for him. Uh, we know how players like to play and want to play in the last year of their contract. So, you know, there is definitely reason for Mikhail Granlin to be motivated. But, you know, I think back to his time in Minnesota when he was, you know, a 67, 68, 69-point guy at the height of his powers, and he was an incredible playmaker. That was really the key to his success with the Wild, was his ability – to facilitate offense in that regard. And with Granlin, excuse me, with Duchesne and Forsberg, he has two players on his wing who are good shooters, strong shooters, who he can feed the puck to and, and get them to score goals. So I like where I like the makeup of that line. You know, last year for a number of reasons, Granlin did not appear comfortable in Nashville. One, of course, as we recall, his wife was in labor at the time of the trade. Well, she was uncomfortable. Minnesota. I don't know about him. Yeah, she was uncomfortable, <laughs> physically uncomfortable, uh, much more so. 
Uh, you know, his uh, his son was born, uh, I believe, the, the day after. Um, and, you know, that line, that second line was in such in flux all season last year, even after he got here, that he just never really seemed to click. So with a full training camp, with a full preseason, with a line that I think can really do some damage, I think the Kyle Granlund is in position to rebound as well. Now, Adam, you, you had on, on, on The Athletic, you had your eight sizzling takes for the Predators this year. Um, and one of them, um, to me, I, I thought was a little bit intriguing, um, the Pecorine um, angle. Um, now, over the last course of two or three seasons, um, his starts have decreased 66, 55, 50. Um, and, and in your article, you said, does Pecorine play less than 50 games this year? Is it imperative for him to play less so they can have him ready to go um, if that is indeed the case for the playoffs, because you see, Soros has proven he is a damn good uh, um, goalie in this league. He is, and and you see, Soros is the best backup goaltender that Pecorino has had since he became a full time starter about a decade ago. And in the past, you know, in the, the 2015-16 season, for example, Pecorino started 66 games. I believe Carter Hutton was his backup at the time. You know, Carter Hutton has gone on to become a, a starter in the NHL, but at the time was not a was not a goaltender that the Predators were comfortable relying on regularly. I mean, UC Soros is a goaltender that the Predators can be confident in to play regularly, as we've seen over the past two years. So I don't think it's likely that Pecorino starts fewer than 50 games. Personally, I'd like to see him right at that 50 mark, you know, have a 50 to 32 split in starts between the two of them as long as they both stay healthy. Now, there are people who have been asking me, fans on social media, if they should go to a 50-50 split. Now, very rarely does that happen. It's like the old adage in the NFL. If you have two starting quarterbacks, you have none. If you have two starting goaltenders, you have none. Oftentimes, when teams do that, it's because neither goaltender is good enough to be the full-fledged number one. They do have goalie, They do have two goalies that could be. But I really do think that this is Pekka's crease until he either he retires or his play deteriorates. So I would I would like to see him right at 50. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to get below 50, but I think anywhere in the 50 to 52 range would be a good number for him. I think this year. Yeah, that's right. Like I really yeah, expect I him was to thinking be at. because I mean, you see, you got to give him an opportunity to go. And I don't think this team. But Pekka takes doesn't a step deserve. Back. He doesn't hasn't done anything to yeah. deserve less starts. This is about getting you to the postseason and exactly. being in the best position to be there. And and I think that that obviously does that for the Nashville Predators. Uh, last question for you, Adam. So when the Fang Fingers come out tomorrow <laughs> night, <laughs> is it met with dread and despair and anxiety, or with wild excitement of what we're going to see from Dan Lambert? <laughs> well, I'm sure that let's call it a healthy mix of both. Um, I, I think the power play has, has, you know, the results during the preseason, albeit in the preseason, were positive. I mean, Dan Lambert has modernized the Predators' approach to the power play. No more of that three forward, two defenseman stuff, which is antiquated. That you know, now it's the four forwards and one defenseman. I really like the makeup of their top unit: Forsberg, Johansson, Arvidsson, Duchesne, and Yossi. I mean, Matt Duchesne is adding a different wrinkle to this. Uh, top power play by being along the goal line, freeing Victor Arvidsson to play the slot. You know, one thing that was amazing to me, uh, you know, Victor Arvidsson in the past three years only, I believe, has 21 points on the power play. That seems you know, impossible. 
I mean, he's done a lot of his damage at even strength. He's one of the better five-on-five scorers in the league. But, you know, because he's been that net front screener for the last couple of years, he really hasn't had that much effect on the score sheet. But now you'll be able to see him score and, and contribute more in that regard, which I think helps. So uh, let's call it a healthy mix of skepticism and cautious optimism uh, until they actually start producing during the regular season. But I think that, you know, there's nowhere to go but up. As I said last week, the power play has to get better because it can't get anywhere. So if Arvidsson is producing on the power play, could he push towards 40 goals this year? He could. I mean, this one thing that's amazing to me about this team is they're the only active franchise in the NHL that's never had a player score 40 goals. And, you know, Forsberg and Arvidsson both have the capability of doing that. And they could also push for 70 points. You know, in that, in that, with that improved power play, and the Predators haven't had a 70-point score in 11 years. So, an improved power play, regardless, will go a long way in improving these teams' chances individually and as a team. All right, he is Adam Vingen from the Athletic. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Looking forward to uh, another big season. Before I let you go, um, who wins the Stanley Cup? Mm, oh God, that's tough. See, a lot of people, including myself, want to give. You know, still want to give the the cup to Tampa Bay just because they probably are the most complete team, but that didn't work out well for a lot of people last year. I, I'm still formulating. I still have until tonight when the puck okay. drops to come well, up with my decision. So uh, get back to me on that. All right, thank you, Adam. Appreciate the time, all right, guys. Thanks. Adam Vingan from the Athletic does a great job of covering uh, the National Predators. Mm-hmm. Obviously, hey, uh, coming up next, it's stick to sports, right? Yeah. You're right about that. Look at love him. it. He's I glowing. Love it. Oh, I He's love glowing. Sports. He's glowing. He knows what day it is. <laughs> I'm Corey Curtis. This is the morning drive on ESPN's 102.5 The Game. Hold on one second. We got weekly winners. Win a pair of tickets to an upcoming Nashville sporting event or concert. Hit up thegamenashville.com or the ESPN The Game Nashville mobile app and play now. Silly Underdog Picks is sponsored by Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Exactly one emotional baby. Star of the Bodyguard, Whitney Houston. Remember that movie? You You went to the theater to see that. Yes, you went to the theater to see it. Bodyguard was a a plus movie, man. She loved it. She's been in other movies too, hasn't she? Yeah, she she was in uh, Wait and Exhale, which was great. Don't you know Wait and Exhale? I never saw it. You never scared me, man. (laughs) That's when. um, That's the first movie that uh, my uh, Marcy. Uh, Marcy and I, my wife at the time, uh, well, she was my girlfriend at the time, that was the first date we went on. Oh. We went to go see Wait Next Hell with friends. And it's like, why would you go see, and I'm just thinking back now, like, why would you go see Wait Next Hell Cause you, as their first date? Well, well Like, the movie was all about girl power and the guys just Because you were trying to be in touch with your feminine yeah, side you're trying right to impress that. her. <laughs> see, I'm not just this big, bulky football player. I've got a soft side to me, and I, I understand uh, your plight. Yeah, so we went to go see Wait Next Hell. That was our first official date. How did, how did that end? How did that date end? What was our thoughts on that movie? The date ended good. No, we loved the movie. I mean, Angela Bassett walking yeah. away from the burning car. What did you, what did she think every, about that? Every woman in the, in the um, theater loved it. Whoa, you go, girl. You know, you know, it's funny. I was thinking back to my wife and I's first date. We went, uh-huh. we went out to lunch into a baseball game, and uh-huh. we just ended up staying on this date like all day long. Oh, wow. That's and great. And we said, well, do you want to go to a movie? Uh-huh. And there wasn't much showing. So on our first date, at the end of the first date, we saw Broken Arrow with Howie Long and John Travolta. And and Christian Slater. 
Oh, wow. That's so. not a classic movie. For yeah. you guys, it's classic because it was your first No, date. it's really not. <laughs> but I always, just, I always remember that. That's all. Uh, Marquise, it's time for Stick to Sports, is it not? Or do you still want to talk about Whitney? The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, <laughs> you're just going to crumble it up and throw it in the trash. Basically. And Stick to Sports. Now, on Morning Drive. Yo. Once again, Stick to Sports is brought to you by Decorated Den Interior. Stick with the pros at Decorated Den. When you are ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces, request a complimentary, which is free in this world, appointment at decoratingden.com. Number one. All right, we may only have time for one because yeah. I got a big one for you today. And, and it's sports related, too. So, Shaquille O'Neal. Mm. And Damian Lillard are oh, going yeah. back and forth with a little rat beef. Now, Damian Lillard went on a podcast and they asked him, you know, pretty much anybody that plays basketball or football that actually does music, they want to always ask you, are you better than another person that used to do the same thing? So basically, they asked Damian Lillard, was he better than Shaq? And Damian Lillard gave a response of, like, yeah, I think I'm better than Shaq. Shaq was just a. He he was Shaq that just so happened to rap. He wasn't really a rapper. So Shaq took offense to that and recorded this horrible recorded disc record. I'm gonna play. <laughs> I'm gonna play a minute of each disc record by oh, both gosh. artists, and we're gonna give our opinions on who won this fight. <laughs> here is Shaq oh, man. and his Instagram disc record to Damian Lillard. Yo, yeah, what's with these little cats? I can tell they little, listen to they little raps. Always bragging about they little max contract. They ain't got a little money when it comes to Shaq. MVP candidates, you are not one. Platinum plaques on my wall, go and get you some. Lyrically, I'm three times finals MVP. I can't believe some guard hard as a team. How you say that you better than these when you ain't got more chance than these? What you talking about? Take your time to respond, there is no hurry. You'll never be Westbrook, never That was pretty awesome. Yeah, I thought it was, I, and I thought I, it was spot on. Yeah, I thought that you can hear. A li- I mean, you can. He hear was dropping facts every step of the way. You, I just ass- love. Yeah, you pre- you made it seem like we were not going to be able to hear. I mean, like, did you ever hear Chris Johnson's rap? No, I'm glad I didn't. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah, I'm glad. Okay, I didn't. Th- this was well articulated and factual. Yeah, Shaq is a good rapper, man. All right, so there's a difference between Shaq and Dame Dollar. Damian Lillard. Here's Damian Lillard's response to Shaquille O'Neal. No, you see my pockets deep, so you flexing ain't really a thing, bro. We both could be working at Kinko's and Kobe when you them rings don't owe. Nursery rhymes spitting, small cars sitting, oh. Icy hot poster boy, TNT snitching you, big man hating, uh, mad at my existence. Had a song with bad boy, no Jordan to the piston, still getting to the chicken. This ain't nothing new to me. I always been a chosen one. Nothing you could do with me. We could have did a track together. Just pass the torch. It was lit without you, brother. I was busting off the porch. Call 911, hot. Dusting off the porch. Look inside that statue at Staples and find a corpse. It'd be wise to move on, Aristotle, because this a gimme. All the money in the world betrayed you for penny. 
Said that Max was little, that 250 million crispy. Can't recall you getting that when I was cruising on a 10 speed. This a different era. You the past and you the past. Said yourself that I'm a Tesla, no longer need diesel gas. Kinda like the Cavs, ain't really need diesel. And even in Miami, won that on the strength of flash. Ooh! <laughs> you know, here's the, here's the problem. Bars, here's the problem with it. He's wrong? Yeah, he's wrong. He's factually wrong. It was because of Shaq that they won those championships. When Kobe was in L.A. with Shaq, Shaq was the dominant factor. Of course. And then he left and Kobe became – and Kobe was still great, so don't get me wrong. I mean, they they needed each other. But I think it was because of Shaq that – Shaq said I was a three-time MVP, listen, finals MVP. I was the man. Here's the problem is that – it sounds better because Dame took the time to go into an actual studio and do it. Shaq just said, hey, pull out the boom box. Let's go for some. So I'm with Shaq on this one. I, I like Shaq's come better. On, oh, I like Shaq's better. Oh, I, no. Look, and also I'm uncool, so I un, I didn't understand the references, the half of what Damian Lillard was uh-huh. Come on, find the corpse by your statue at Staples? No. Come on, man. I am going oh, with Shaq, Shaq. Diesel. I, I, and I'm going with Shaq because – Everything he said was true. Yeah, and Damian Lillard, and, and if you're just saying which one's the best rapper, I, you guys can battle that out. I don't know. But, the damn dollar. But no, I, I, know, I know this. Damian Lillard, while he is a great player, cannot hold Shaq's jockstrap in what he's accomplished in his career. No. No, no, he I, had never will, never will he. Athletically, no. Shaq is a is a tri- he is he changed the landscape of basketball. I don't think Damian Lillard's on that level of changing the landscape of basketball. No, he hasn't yet. Now and, Curry and, and Westbrook is, which Shaq mentioned in his rap, mm-hmm. but I don't think Damian Lillard's that level. But he's good. I'm Damian Lillard's Shaq. really good. I'm picking Shaq on that one. Come on, dude. Yes, yeah, I knew the I'm old school. I knew the old school would pick no, the old school. It's Damian, not even close. Yeah, Dame Lillard went in the studio. And he had everything nice and put together. And Shaq said, you know what? I'm just going to pull out my boom box and go for some. I, I'll give Damian Lillard because of delivery, man. His delivery was on point. His yes. lyrics were on point. But it's also an he old dude. Cringe- you got to give the old dude credit. For hanging with the young guy. But see, with a diss record, you have to have a line that just be like, ooh, it makes you make that stank face. That stank Shaq face. Shaq had one. Which one? I don't know. I got to listen. The one about Trevor Ariza? Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> no, he said you're not, you're not even, even Steph Ariza. Curry or Westbrook. Oh, that was that was no. okay. But I and mean. That, and not even Trevor Ariza. And yeah. that was, I think that there was my go. favorite okay. part. Yeah. Oh, my God. If you're not even better than Trevor Ariza, something wrong. All right. We got like two minutes. Let's do another one. <laughs> Can we get another one? Number two. I, I just, I'm still in awe of just you guys picking Shaq. Shaq over. Shaq's Adiza, got movies. Man. What does Damian Lillard have? Shaq got Kazam. He, he did mention <laughs> that part of his rap, too. He mentioned that, like, I'm more Space Jam, you're Blue Chips, something like that, along those lines. But have you guys ever, like, parked somewhere and then forgot where you parked at? Uh huh. In a situation like you go to Walmart or something, and then uh-huh. you just be like, oh, man, I forgot where I parked at. Well, this 19-year-old kid went to a festival, the Tokyo World Music Festival in Bristol, and this is in the U.K., and left. And one hour later, he forgot his car, and a week later, he still has not found where his car is. Oh, wow. So basically, he parked his car, took a took a taxi to this festival, and then after the festival, him and his friends tried to find the car, and then all of a sudden, he didn't remember this where it was. sure is not stolen? Yeah, that see that would be number one, but yeah. nah, there's no reports of it stolen yet. He's just 
misplaced it. It's like, ever seen that movie, Dude, Where's My Car with yeah. Ashton Kutcher? Yeah, this is pretty asking. much, yeah. <laughs> this Dude, is pretty much what it is. Now, I've seen, I've been in parking lots, and you know, because sometimes you just sit and you watch people. I've seen people like walk and look around like, where's my car? And you, and you click your key. Yeah, and then you click your key, yeah. and then it's like, okay, it's on the other side. I, look, I, I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. I see people wander around in the parking lot lost, but you've generally got an idea of what section your car yeah. is in. The bottom line is this. Don't do crack. Don't huff gasoline. Yeah. Don't just just don't. Yeah. Just don't. It rots your brain. Yeah, I guess that's what happened with the guy. Possibly, maybe he had too many, um, you know, too many uh, festival, yeah, festival too, party favors, too many yeah. puffs, <laughs> and forgot where his car was. Dude, where's my car? Part two, just, UK edition. Man, just file a, file a, a police report. Say your car is stolen. Might as well at this point. Yeah, or just walk up and down the lot. <laughs> Or just remember yeah, where you park it. Exactly. Are you one of those people that, like, before you walk in a gas station, and you know what pump you are? Like, I'm on pump seven. Yeah. And you, gotta you, like, you, like, walk backwards to make sure, <laughs> <laughs> to make sure, like, hold on, is it, am I still is on it pump, really seven? pump seven? And then you go on the uh, register, and you're like, hey, so what pump are you on? You'd be like, hold on one second. <laughs> but they should know at the cash register what pump. If you say, I'm in that black car right there, they say, okay, you're on pump two. But I don't go inside. I just use my credit card. And I ain't got time. To... You're a big deal. No, anytime. You probably still go to full service gas stations. No, do they I still have those? Yes, they do. They really? have one near the airport. Really? Yes, where the guy will pump your gas. Yeah. I don't thing. like that. That was a real thing. They check yeah, your oil, do exactly. all that stuff. I don't like all that. right. Derek Mason, Corey Curtis on ESPN's 1025 The Game. This is the morning drive. We got an hour to go, and we got plenty to talk about. That's next.